Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to the Love Means Nothing podcast, episode 14. Drew is back from Iceland. Uh, he had a little excursion there with his time off at work, but he, he's back. Uh, I think yes. pay, I think I think he's paying attention to the tennis. Uh, U.S. Open is right around the corner. I was hitting today at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy next to Linda Fertova. Wait, Vid, um, have you um, have you booked the courts for when we're going to be in New York so we can just make sure that we have courts at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy? We don't even have to play tennis. We could just sit there, book the court for two hours, and just watch the pros that are going to be hitting around on the other courts. Yeah, I, I have I have not done that yet, but today Linda Fertova was there uh Berrettini was there so it was no way. definitely so sick definitely pretty cool and I think there are some guys that were playing qualifying who who I even I, I didn't even know um Did the qualifying guys look good yeah yeah they looked very good there was also a girl there I think she was playing qualifying she she yeah. looked not good but that's fine um okay yeah, so yeah but we yeah. should definitely go we're definitely gonna go to the qualifying right yeah the last round of qualifying Go to their last round of qualifying. The last round of qualifying is. I can't. I can't wait to watch that in person. It's it's more fun than the main draw, like first round, second round, because it's literally yeah. you know a lot's yeah. on the line for those guys. Also, like if you lose in the first round this year, eighty thousand, which is ridiculous. That's more than Wimbledon. Yeah, it's more than Wimbledon. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's they're yeah they're eighty k for these people is just like I don't even. But, but what do you get? Yeah, what do you get if you lose in the last round? Oh, a decent, it's a decent amount. I think it's actually they upped it also. It's like forty thousand or something. Fifty. It's it's a lot. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But but Berrettini after his back to back losses are, is now is now training. That could maybe that's good for him. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we're gonna get into that. Yeah. But should we get into our first topic? Which yeah, Serena retirement. Just just briefly. We're not we're not gonna talk about it extensively because we will recap it a little bit more talk about her after the u.s open uh when she's actually done but uh your your brief thoughts Drew. uh yeah i mean to be honest i was i was surprised i was a little bit surprised that she announced it so abruptly i think what happened was probably because you know leading into wimbledon i serena coming back to play wasn't even on the horizon we knew that she was injured and no one had really heard anything. Um, it, it kind of came as a surprise. So I, I, my sense is that she made the decision, you know, early this year before Wimbledon and said, look, I'm basically done. I'm done with tennis. I can't play anymore. I don't want to play. I have other priorities. I have a family. My body's kind of breaking down. And I'm just, now that I've made that decision, I want to get as much tennis in as possible before the end of the year. And I want to end retiring at the U.S. Open instead of, you know, leaving, fully recovering from my injuries, getting to match fitness and then waiting till next year and then still having to worry about tennis. So um, I, I think that was what her thought process is. But for me, it just seems very abrupt because I feel like when a lot of players retire, like Andre Agassi, I remember um, specifically, like you kind of knew like well in advance and you were ready to like build up to it. So for me, it was really surprising. Uh, and I'm just trying to treasure every moment that we see on court for her. And unfortunately, it's not, not exactly going well, as we saw, you know, losing at Wimbledon to Harmony Tan and now losing to Emma. Uh, but yeah, it's just sad. It's just sad, really. I'm honestly, I didn't get that, that feeling that I thought I'd get uh, when she retired, you know, but I think it's basically because 
I saw it coming. She hasn't been, she's been around, like we knew she was going to come back, but she also has not been around for the last year and a half. And we all figured when she came back that it would be kind of her last, her last go around. And I think if she was performing better, maybe she would have con- t- continued to play. But honestly, right after watching the Harmony Tan match at Wimbledon, I was like, okay, like Serena's, she's done. done. She's done. Yeah, uh, I, I, so yeah. I kind of knew it before. Was, yeah, yeah, it is um, obviously sad. Uh, the best, yeah. you know, tennis, one of the greatest tennis players of all time, the best women's tennis player uh, of all time, undoubtedly. Uh, it's sad to see her go out, but it's well, all. Well, I mean, a lot. I'll a lot compare. Of, yeah. You know, no, I'll, sorry, one, one last thing. I'll, I'll compare the way she's going out now to how Roger Federer is going to go out. You know, I hope he's not playing as bad as she's playing. Um, I think he'll be playing better than her, but he's like he's been out of the game for yeah. over, over a year thing. now. Feels I don't. Like I, 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 I'm not going to be sad when Roger Federer retires because I already consider him retired. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah. I, I know. I know what you mean. We're just kind of waiting for that cameo. Like ca- it's like a cameo appearance, kind of. This is what Serena is. It's like a cameo appearance. Like I'm coming out. I'm retiring. Like Juan Martín del Potro. He's been out of tennis for so long, and then he basically came back for one tournament in Argentina and was like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of retiring. I was like, well, you were uh, already kind of retired, but it's been a long time since Serena's won a slam. She it's been over five years now. Yeah. You know? So, so it's, it's a little bit a lot. It's not like she's close to contention or anything like that. Um, and her body just was breaking down, but it's actually interesting because Venus is not retiring. She, yes. she, she put something on her Instagram story. Cause I, it's funny. Cause you're like, okay, Venus is older, two years older. Is she retiring? And Someone was like, well, what's your plan for the rest of the year? And he said, well, I don't know. I'm looking to play some events in America, maybe the San Diego 250 or whatever the tournament that is, 500. Uh, so that's a little weird dynamic, you know, that Serena's the younger sister and she's retiring and Venus is not. But Yeah, I think I think Venus was probably going to be on her way out soon as well. But yeah, like I said, I would lump her and Federer together and then I'd lump Rafa and Novak together, two guys who could still leave the sport with a crazy mic drop and everyone's going to be like, Oh my gosh, holy shit. Uh, what just happened? And so they're the last two guys that can really kind of, I think Rafa might be closer than, than you think to be to honest. Re- to retiring. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I would, I would, I would agree with you, but the only reason I'm not going to agree with you is because there it's been years where, where I've said, Oh, Nadal, his body is so beat up and like i'm just gonna not say that anymore i'm just gonna My, what i'll say for nadal is this could potentially be for him is that he just retires but he only plays a clay court season every year because he'll always he'll probably have a chance to win the french open until he's like 43 or 44 that could be a thing that he does because it's like what is he brooding his body playing hard courts and like australian open and and western and southern open mason ohio losing born in shorich you know at that point it's just like his body's broken down but he could do that he could do like a two or three month season every year that would be a little that would be a little embarrassing to every other pro, every other pro, <laughs> pro player that some 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 I, it's it's like remember we, we, in high school like we used to play high school tennis and we yeah. talk about the kids who weren't actual tennis players, but they'd play high school tennis, yeah. like seasonal players, you know? Yeah. It's, Nadal would be a seasonal player at the Grand Slam level, which would and be... And then beating, beating everyone, but... Yeah. Yeah. There was one player on our team who did that, Sid Ahuja. So shout out to Sid. He was, a, he was like a really good player and then just randomly decided to... The college level player decided to quit in the middle of high school and only came back, but... Yeah. Sid, Sid our, our friend Sid, wanted, he wanted to uh, pursue the social side more... Yeah. 
of high school <laughs> and of life. And he's still pursuing it to the fullest extent in New York City. Uh, so he's doing good. Great player. Um, One of the best part-time tennis players, I would say, of all time. Probably the nation. Probably oh, the best I, part-time tennis player in the nation. I, I didn't even think of that. I think yeah. definitely up there. Yeah. I, yeah, up there. Up there. I would, I would, he'd 100%. Like a player that doesn't play USCA tournaments, out of all those players who just play high school, he was probably the best in the entire country. Yeah, I, I never thought about that. But yeah, that is, he's, a, he's a blue chip in that regard. Uh, so yeah, that's the thing. And we'll, we'll definitely, look, after the US Open, we're going to do a more thorough recap. Maybe we'll even dedicate an episode to Serena's career. I think for us, it's kind of hard to necessarily pick exact moments and stuff like that. But I think it's worth dedicating an entire episode to her career. And, and we'll talk more about it later, obviously. Yeah, so I guess we got to get into the tournaments that have been going on, Toronto and M- Montreal, Mont- Toronto. Montreal, Toronto, Cincinnati. So do you think what we've seen in those events is a precursor to what we're going to see at the U.S. Open? Things like Berrettini going out, things like Pablo Carreno Busta winning the tournament and just kind of everything that's gone on in the tournament. What are your, what's your take? Uh, I just think, I think for some reason, I don't know why I put more stock in like the clay court lead up tournaments than these lead up tournaments. I, I would say it's different for different players. I don't think like Pablo Corona Busta winning the tournament. I don't think that makes me say that he's like a favorite for us open, but for her, her for example, who made the finals, I think he was like kind of looking for confidence and he hadn't really, he, he had won one ATP 500, but I think he's someone who could be really dangerous at the U S open based on his, his performance, you know, um, on the flip side of that, like Berrettini, I didn't really watch those matches. So I can't really comment, but I would say yes, because he doesn't have as much confidence. Um, it's going to be a problem. His serve though is so big that he'll probably be able to work himself into the tournament, you know? Um, so I think it's just different for different players. Like don't, I don't think Dan Evans is going to be making a run, right? You don't? The US Open? I don't think so. He's got a lot of points to defend too, because he made like the fourth round last year. Oh, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty good. I didn't, yeah, did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Berrettini, yeah, he was on my list of. Yeah, it's not how you want to enter the U.S. Open, but also kind of similar to what you're saying that he can work his way into the tournament with the serve and the forehand, and then on top of that, you know, let's say he does get to the, you know, he's in a third, fourth round, uh, round of sixteen, then he's in the quarters, and if that serve and forehand really starts really starts popping really starts hitting then who knows he could honestly beat any anyone when, when it's when it's going well so and that could get him to the finals you know i do I'm, think rest is a big, say, is it, a big but, deal in these like north american summer tournaments like we already saw like this this week for example in cincinnati hercus lost first round corinna busta i think lost first round dan evans lost first round so like all these guys who are doing really well you know, the one week kind of kind of hurt them. So there could be some advantage to not going as deep in all these events. No, no, no. Here, like you're. That's true for that's true for Cincinnati only because Carino Busta played the final on Sunday and then had his first round match at Cincinnati on like Tuesday, right? So he had a day turnaround, had to travel to Cincinnati and then play his match. If you win Cincinnati, you have a whole week to prepare for the yeah, U.S. Open. True. So it's gonna be more beneficial for your next tournament winning Cincinnati than it would be for uh, winning the 
Canada tournament. No, that's true. But let's talk about Corinna Busta because this came out of nowhere, right? I'm going to be honest. Corinna Busta, I've always been, we always say Corinna Busta is so good at tennis. Like he's the definition of a guy that's just amazing at the sport and just does everything perfectly well. Kind of like a mini Djokovic, which is interesting because he always beats Djokovic. Because he beats Djokovic. You wouldn't think that that would happen. But I thought that this year specifically, every time I seemed to look at a draw or was at a tournament or he was never in the mix and he was always kind of like having losses. He just turned 30. So I thought that he had kind of turned the corner, you know, I could think of like a Fognini or like a Dimitrov where a guy you put in the older category. So I don't know. I don't know where this came from. Like the beating, destroying Berrettini in the first round, destroying like Sinner. I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea where that came from, but it, it reminds you that he was a you know, two-time US Open semifinalist. I just didn't see it coming at all. And it's, his biggest title of his entire career at 30 years old. Yeah, I didn't see it coming either. The fact that he won it was pretty amazing. But like you said, we know his game has the capability of beating the top players. I'm just shocked that he was able to sustain throughout the tournament. And like you said, beat Sinner, Hercots, and... Berrettini back to back to back but his game is also he I I'm gonna say that he reminds me of Denis Shapovalov what <laughs> it, that is a crazy take they I know I know I know I know it's a crazy take but in the sense that in the sense that when he's down or not having great matches he's gonna continue he's never gonna restrain himself but He's never going to restrain himself and take pace, spin off the ball to try and get wins. And granted, he doesn't do it like Dennis. Like, as you know, Dennis is an extreme example of this. But when that's the case, you, you might go three, four, five tournaments uh, losing matches. But if you're able to continue to go out there and play your game like he does, then it can all come together, especially he's pretty consistent when he is playing well, just in terms of his game style. So uh, I wasn't too shocked to see him. Yeah. To see yeah. Him th- I was shocked to see him win. I Didn't you think that he was getting older, though? Like he was kind of oh, on no, the thought, other, thought, opposite thought, end of his career um, I thought the, down. I thought, this, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I was like, oh, because I, I was like, I was like, oh, shit, he's kind of losing a lot. Then I'm yeah. like, and I like Google him. He's like, oh, I was like, oh, he's 31. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah. That's Once fine. you pass that 30 stage, I, I almost think that he was kind of being like, he had changed from the uh, role of being an ATP professional to a, you know, have side, fun, have yeah. fun slash sidekick slash mentor to Carlos uh, Alcaraz. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. Cause I was like, every time I see Pablo, he's like at the tournament with, you know, with you know, Carlos, they're playing doubles together. He's part of their team, but he's kind of like the quasi coach who's also on the tour. So I think that, I don't know if that's like a mental thing that he, he was, but he clearly showed Carlos, you know, how to, how to win this, this, this event at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the same thing in Indian Wells when he was yeah. just like kind of hanging out. <laughs> play, play, they were playing some golf. I, I was like, I was like, Carino's just here for a good time, not a long time. Right. At that. At that he's really, he's really. I back. think he's really edging to be part of the Carlos Alcaraz, you know, core group in the future. Once, once Carlos is like a top star, right? <laughs> kind of just not a bad, not a bad lifestyle. No, not a bad lifestyle at all. Uh, what about what about Sinner Alcaraz? 
Uh, what do you make of their runs? I, I think I think Alcaraz going deep in Cincinnati in I the think, quarters is, is good for him. Uh, yeah, I, I, so we talked because about I think one of the reason, questions there, was one of the questions of the in the thing was who do you think the summer is like more important for? Like you I guess we kind of asked it earlier in terms of like you know, are, do you think this is gonna be an indicator? I think he needs some wins, some confidence, because he's now lost a center twice at Wimbledon French Open then he lost to Tommy Paul in the first round of Montreal so I think for him like winning this this week is really big for him that's what I think yeah so basically I know I know you I don't know if it's on the agenda but you asked who would winning the tournament this week benefit in the U.S. Open and my answer to that question is anyone who is not gonna increase the pressure on themselves by winning the tournament is it's going to be beneficial for for them so let's see who's in the in the quarterfinals in cincinnati obviously medvedev it would be good for him because he's going to be a big favorite going into the u.s open regardless of whether he wins the title right mm-hmm. i i think i think someone like felix if he wins this his name could be bad it could be bad because his yeah. name it start buzzing yeah um he's kind of a low-key He's going under the radar this season, but still uh, did well at the French. Uh, and I think if his name starts coming up again, it might be, you know, bad not not bad for him. And then a guy like Nori, I think it could be good for him because because no one no one ever thinks of him as winning a slam. So why? I kind of I've been loving Nori's attitude recently. You, you heard his quote. Yeah, yeah. Nori he said he wants like, to be number one in the world. And he said he's he's willing to sacrifice anything to be number one in the world. Literally anything. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. He's literally willing to do whatever it takes. I think with Nori, he probably played Novak or something at that Wimbledon and was like, I think I can maybe do something like that. Like be like a Novak, be like a Novak player. Because he got that one set and he did a really good job. Um, but he but he also got destroyed by Medvedev in the Cabo final, you know. So that was uh, but yeah, Medvedev, I think, as well. Like he, he's been playing. He he's he destroyed Fritz today, really. Which is which is shocking because one of my picks for the U.S. Open to go someone to go deep is Fritz. Was Fritz? It still is. I don't know something about Fritz. Like I always thought, I always saw him as a clutch player. But you just think of the last like few weeks, and then Wimbledon. He lost to Dan Evans last week. Lost to Dan Evans in Washington D.C couldn't handle the heat. And the one, the only thing I've noticed about Fritz's game, and that's what is actually preventing him is that his shots are great, but he doesn't even have a drive on his forehand. Like his points end up being super long. Like today that played into Medvedev's hand. There were so many times where Fritz was in the rally. It happened on set point. Fritz was in the rally attacking, but he couldn't hit a drive shot. He kept hitting spin and Medvedev was so fast that he got to everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've noticed that about Fritz, but now, honestly, I, I hadn't, but now that you say it, I do. I do just recall him being in a ton of long points all the time. Yeah, and yeah, definitely when you're inside the court, you want to flatten it out and go through the ball. But it also takes a little bit of, a little bit of guts, guts to do that and end the point. So, yeah, I de- definitely, definitely agree, agree with you there. Okay, everyone. Now it's time for your favorite segment, Trivia and Games, where we ask each other some trivia questions. 
have a little dialogue and then also do a little talk about or the, sorry, then we answer the question and see if the person yeah. gets it right. Wait, Vic, then, can, I, can I interject with um, one, one, one thing right now live? Born a Chorich, up a break on Felix. Born again, born a Chorich, up a break. Could make the semis. That could be something crazy. But hashtag, hashtag born again, Borna. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Are we recording this shit? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, okay. Um, Which I cannot wait to get off this podcast to watch this match. Yeah, we might have to stop right here. Yeah. Um, but no, we're not going to do that. Just for you. <laughs> just for you, the listeners. Just for you guys. We're going to stay on here and continue this. Yes. Uh, because it was two weeks since we last did the last one. Um, yes. And then this actually shows us why we have to do regular podcasts. because There's so much to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to talk about. Here's what happens. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. And then when we wait too long, we feel like we want to talk about everything. Everything. And, and then we do a shit podcast. So Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, we got it. This is a catch up pod. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do more re- frequent episodes. Yeah. Let's fucking hopefully we do that, man. Yeah. Um, so trivia. And trivia and, and you said you have one trivia, one quote. Yeah, yeah. I have one trivia, one quote. Let's exactly. do the tri- let's do the trivia first. Um, uh, you're gonna go first. Ask me a question. Yes. Okay. So a topical question and um, somewhat not topical question at all. Uh, you know, we're going to the WTA top ten. Eight of the top ten women have lost uh, in the first or second round at the Western Southern Open. And it's also a bit of a tribute uh, to Serena Williams. So the question, Vid, very simple. How many of the WTA top 10 can you name 20 years ago to this date? Oh my God, none. Wait, you're, you're wait, dude, come on, come on, man. Like, are you not a student, you're not a student of the game. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not. This is, why, this is why we couldn't really do the Serena thing because it's like we have to really think back. Because like, I don't, yeah. You, um, you, you, you literally will know all of these names. I mean, you gotta give it a shot. It's, tw- but yeah, no, well, it, I gave you one hint where there's a, it's a tribute to Serena Williams. So there's, that'll get you started. One of them, I think you'll not even, you'll definitely not get, but the rest, I think you could totally do it. Serena Williams. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> fuck, man. I don't know. I don't. Twenty years ago. Top so twenty 10. years ago sounds like a long time ago, but it was two thousand two. Oh, <laughs> we were we were alive. We were alive. <laughs> yeah, in two, dude. We were alive yeah. twenty years ago. Twenty years ago is like it's not like it's not like nineteen ninety or something like that. I know. I know what you're thinking. You like, forget. <laughs> forget how old we are. Yeah. Um. All right, and then I'll go Venus. Okay. Um. I'll go Justine N. Arden. Uh, Kim Kleisters. I uh, will also say way back then. Who was? Who's, um, no, not. You you have six more, so you can choose to give up or choose the name six more, and maybe you'll get some of them. It's just that the, the, the time is hard. Like obviously, the names are people I know. Right. It's just the time frame. Right. And honestly, I know put, getting you put on the spot is tough because you're thinking, "Oh my god," and you'll think, "Wow, I can't believe I didn't think of her," you know, or something Mer- like that. Moresmo. So. Okay. That's five. 
and then five more. Maria Sharapova. Because she was like one Wimbledon when she was like 16 or something. Who was in that era? 20 years ago. Think about 20 years ago. Like, no, I get it. No, I get it. 20 years ago. Um, there's six. Uh, 20 years ago, who was playing around then with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good, really good players, interesting players, a lot of Americans too. Steffi Graf. <laughs> Not American, but okay. That's your seventh guess. What is she German? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Three more. Come on. Three more. I'm thinking American, old American women. There, these two I would definitely get, but I mean, you probably, there's two of them I would definitely get, but you probably wouldn't. Chris Everett? No fucking way. No. <laughs> okay, that's no. your guess, though. You, we're, we're moving too slow, so that, that's unfortunately going to be one of your guests. Okay, I'm done. I, I quit. Okay. I give up. <laughs> okay, okay, so okay. Bad. You did pretty well. You got five out of the ten. Um, so here's the top ten. Uh, you ready from one to ten? Yeah. No, number one, Serena. Number two, Venus. Three, Jennifer Capriati. Uh, four, Monica Sellis. Five, oh. five Yelena, Yelena Dokic, which is the one I didn't think you'd get. Henan Arden, six. Kim yeah. Kleisters, seven. Um, Martina Hingis, uh, Davenport, nine, and Moresmo. So you did a pretty good job, actually. I, I, I got Moresmo. I, I yeah. should have gotten Davenport. And Capriati. No. Um, the, who, what, Hinga, who, who is... Hinga Sellis. Sellis, I should have got Sellis to be honestly. Honest. Sellis, when I think of Sellis, I think of her before that time. I probably yeah, would not have gotten really Sellis. old, right? Yeah, but before, even before 2000, I, th- I think of her like 90s, like late 80s, you know. Um, but yeah, that was a kind of a longer trivia, but it's always interesting to look back. I always idolized uh Jennifer Capriati for whatever I don't know why. I was my, really, I, my favorite, her. my favorite women's player was uh Justine Ennen. Yeah, amazing. So like, one handed backhand, yeah. It's, so is it just me or was the women's game more interesting back then? I don't know. Maybe it's just the nostalgia. I don't know. I'm getting more interested in I'm getting I'm pretty interested in it now. I um, am pretty I am pretty interested in it now. I, I would say just, I would yeah. I would agree it was pretty strong back then. I think it had a dip during the Caroline Wozniacki years. Okay, I would say that every one of these players I just mentioned, though, except for Dokic, maybe, are kind of legends. You know, yeah, I don't see yeah, 100%. I don't see any of the top ten currently that are in women's that are like maybe Ega's on her way kind of to be a legend, but Jessica Pagula. Like exactly. Jessica <laughs> Pagula is what eighth now, like Mar- Martina Higgins, Kim Kleister's Davenport, and then the Jesse Pagula, who's by the way, an amazing tournament. She's in the semis, I think, this week. Did she win today? She took she out won. she took out Princess Emma. She, she's a uh, she, Jessica Pagula is so good. Also I love like when she was playing Halep last week, how she just said she called, she was calling her a pusher and stuff on the court. It's great. Even though Halep's obviously not a pusher. She's just a great tennis player and great mover, but <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh, wait. Okay. We have to retract our statement. Caroline Garcia's just won the first set six one against Pagula in Cincinnati. Mm. So yeah, but it is also interesting to look back. Right. Time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So okay, do you want your I'll trivia. Go- Okay, I have a trivia. It's um, okay. Everyone listening to this podcast has probably heard of Ben Shelton, uh, NCAA champion last year, playing his first few ATP tournaments. Wait, who? 
<laughs> um, ben Ben Shelton. <laughs> yeah, and, okay. Ben Shelton do- dominated Casper Rude three and three. Everyone saw that. Um, pretty embarrassing for Casper, given that Nori kind of trashed Shelton next round. But Shelton serve so dominant against Casper Rude. How many Brit? No, it's not break points. How many points did Casper Rude win? <laughs> On Shelton's serve. Oh my god. Okay, so what are you gonna give me for the correct answer here? With three, I, I do a plus or minus, like within. Okay, I'm trying to think. So you, Shelton, you said, Shelton, you said, Shelton won. You said within within three, so we'll say within three. Shelton won six three six three. I do know that. Shelton won so six three six three. I, I, I'm assuming that was probably just one break of each set, and uh, obviously Casper didn't get a break. Uh, Shelton's serve was very big, but at the same time, I mean, obviously this number's low. Unless you're randomly tricking me and it was like a bunch of deuce games, which I, I doubt I, that. I, I, may, I may be tricking you. Maybe maybe it's the double reverse with a twist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do see a lot of things about Shelton's serve. It's massive lefty serve. Also, Casper's, yeah, Casper's return on the backhand side isn't great either. Um, it's, it's brutal. It's, <laughs> it's fucking brutal. Even even if he, yeah, he, yeah, he'll get it back. Yeah. It'll be like a sitter in the middle of the court. Yeah, and that's that's why probably Casper does better. He does great against Nori, which is kind of interesting that Nori destroyed Shelton is because Casper could return. You know, you know like, what? Serves. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, um, I'll just I'll just say something about that real quick. Casper does good against Nori because Nori doesn't. He's not an aggressive player, and it allows Casper yeah. to, you know, have wind that up. kind of big wind up and both both sides, both sides big wind up, crush yeah. that forehand and backhand. Yeah. And and when he's playing a guy like Nori, he looks yeah. like a top five player, right? Right, exactly. Um, but when, when it's Shelton, when it's yeah. When he's playing a big hitter like Shelton, like anyone else, then he's like oh, he can't. He gets overwhelmed. He it's gets like, overwhelmed. It's like a giant wave like coming. And you're just like waiting for it. And Casper is like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And just, yeah. it's absolutely like, like awful. Like Casper Rude, I'd take him all day to beat Roberto Bautista Agu. Yeah. You totally. know what I mean? Like that kind of, that kind of Casper Rude is just like a little worse version of Medvedev, I feel like, in terms of his game style. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but you wouldn't but, even put him in the same sentence as Medvedev, right? I mean, that's, I, I don't think his game style is even comparable to Medvedev. His forehand's huge. He's actually. an aggressive baseliner. Yeah, Medvedev's not. He's that's like true. a counter puncher. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, yeah. Back, back to the question. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. Uh. The question. Yeah, I, the question was how many points did Kasparud win on Ben Shelton serve? Yeah. No, I know. Uh, and so just, there was there was eighteen games in the match, right? Let's go very logical here. Was, that means there was. Wait, was there 18 games in the match? 6-3, six, 6-3, three, six, three. yeah. 9 plus 9. 18. Uh, I do math. <laughs> so uh, that means there was 9 games on each player's serve. I'll say he won an average of 1.5 points per game because it's probably low. So 9 plus 4.5, I'll take one away. I'll say, I'll say 12. He won 12 points on Benjamin. Wow, wow. It's lower. Okay, I'm changing. I said 9. I'll say 9. Uh, you said t- you went from twelve points to nine points. Yeah, you can't do that. You're you locked in yourself in at twelve points. Fine. No, I just said wow because you were just out with the twelve guess. You were just outside the plus or minus three. He won. He won eight points. Well, I changed to nine. So. Okay, nice job. <laughs> I changed to nine. Yeah. Eight, but yeah, eight points is not. That's a not. Lot. That's not good. It's it's so funny because I was looking at the at the. I rarely like go into the stats of the matches when I'm looking right. at the scores on my phone. Go into the stats of the the Shelton Nori match. See eight points. I'm like, oh my Shelton god! Rude, yeah. I I get back to my 
apartment, and my 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 roommate goes in the second set. Casper Rude only won two points on Ben Shelton serve. I go, oh, oh boy, oh, oh boy, boy. Well, Shelton, the fa- the fact that he hasn't turned pro is crazy to me. Just just turn pro, man. Like just, dude, you're not meant to be playing college tennis. You're in the round of sixteen of an ATP thousand event. Yeah, you're not meant to be going to school. Did you see the that uh, guy? That guy should that guy shouldn't be in class. He shouldn't. The words "I'm going to class" should never come out of his mouth. Did you see his tweener? He used tw- his yeah, tweener. yeah, that was that pretty was, sick. It's ridiculous. I tw- when I I quote tweeted that from our account. And I said, "Young, wild, and free," because that's what Ben Shelton is, man. He's the guy's young, wild, and free. <laughs> Look at you see that smile. He's just like that guy is just so relaxed out there on the court. Yeah, who knows? Maybe if he turns pro, he might nerves might. Maybe he's, he's playing free. You know, he's not nervous because he's not pro. I, I have no idea. But no, okay. dude, he's gonna be top twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay, quotables. This is yeah. where we say a quote and then the person guesses who it is. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. I, I have a very simple quote. I, have, I had a couple quotes I could have done. One of them was actually hilarious, but um, you would it would kind of weird person who said it. Uh, so I'm gonna go with this one. It's, you'll be able to probably maybe guess it. It's a very simple quote, uh, and here it is. I don't like my birthday, but it's a part of every year. <laughs> That's the quote. I don't like my birthday, but it's a part of every year. Here's the candidates. Uh, I've got four multiple choice. Uh, Digger Schwartzman, Yannick Sinner, Bublik, or Medvedev? Oh, uh, you know who I thought? I thought it was going to be uh, Daria Kasatkina. I don't know why. <laughs> it literally sounds like something she would say. Um, Bublik, Medvedev, who are the other two? Uh, Schwartzman, Sinner. Bublik, Medvedev, Schwartzman, Sinner. Uh, I don't think it's Sinner. He's not funny. Doesn't seem like a funny guy. So it's either got to be Bublik or Medvedev. Um, two people that would say something like that, and oh, it could be Diego Schwartzman too. Uh, those I'm down to those three. I'll just go Bublik or Medvedev. I'll say I think it's Bublik. Uh, double reverse with a twist. <laughs> gotcha. It was yeah. It was Yannick Sin. <laughs> it was Yannick Sin. He. Re- it's actually interesting because him and Diego Schwartzman have the same birthday. Um. Schwartzman just turned, I mean, old, like I'm guessing something like, you know, 29, 30. Sinner, uh, Sinner just turned 20. And I don't think you said he's not funny. It definitely sounds like a joke, but I don't think he was like joking. I think he was just saying, he was just saying, like, I don't like my birthday, but it is part of every year. Like, I don't think it was like trying to make a joke, but Diego just turned 30. So that's why I I thought it was Diego when I saw the quote. Um, It, um, yeah, it's. It, may, it might have to do with the whole like him not being great at English thing. That's why it came. It's, Center? It sounds like a joke to me, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but why would he not like his birthday? He's a twenty-year-old kid. It just that's kind of weird. I don't like my birthday. I didn't like my birthday when I was twenty or nineteen. I still don't like my birthday. It sucks getting old. Yeah, it's so brutal. I agree. These people, these people are celebrating their these birthdays. People, these people who have like giant birthday parties with like balloons and stuff. And it's just like, I don't understand it. Man. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. No oh, one cares. No. Also the reposting on Instagram of everyone who's wishing you a happy birthday, where there's like an Instagram story of like 20. It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, congrats. It's like, congrats. You're, you're 28. Like, congratulations. 
Yeah, why advertise? You accomplish nothing. You accomplish nothing. Why advertise that? Why why are you letting me know that you're old? <laughs> don't need to know. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. So Yannick Sinner has our mentality when it comes to birthdays, I guess. Great. Now I'm a Yannick Sinner fan. Um, uh, I will go for my quote now. Yeah. Okay, mine's like literally not even... It's very different. Very different to that. Very, very tennis-oriented. And it's about one of our favorite players, Andy Murray. And I... Like, I can't disagree with this quote more. It's about Andy Murray? It's about Andy Murray. And the quote is... I'm going to like... I feel like I'm just going to say it not... I'm not going to do a direct quote because then you'll, it'll be too easy for you to get it, I think. Okay. Um, sure. But with the players he has beaten, there's no doubt in my mind that Murray can have a good run in another slam. First of all, do you agree with that? No, I disagree. Because yeah. it's like you have to... A run means you have to consistently... Whatever. Like Murray had a great match this, first, this week against Nori where... He was a better player, honestly, for more of the match. But at the end, by the, he, by the third set, he literally could not walk. That's the third set. Now he has to play five sets. And I don't think he can... Like, maybe he can win a 250 or something or make the third round or fourth round of a Grand Slam and have a close match. But no, I totally disagree with the quote. Unfortunate. And I, every time I see Murray play, like I saw at the Cincinnati, he beat Warinka in the first round. He, had, like, he was crying. So it's very sad. Another guy who... I'm just like, okay, he's going to probably retire soon. I think he, he's just really treasuring every match. He was crying after he beat Wawrinka. Yeah. He said, I just love playing tennis. I do so much to, to you know, just prepare just to be able to play because I just love playing the sport so much. He was crying. He was like broke down in tears. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's extremely it's, it's, sad. <laughs> he uh, loves tennis though. It's like us. We love tennis. He loves tennis. It's like, great. Yeah. You know, and that's why he was such a good player. It's because of that, that, lo- that, that love, that dedication, you know? Mm-hmm. It is yeah. sad, but yeah, it kind of sucks. Also, he's never lost to Roger Federer on clay. So, and he's also the only like member of the big three to beat Novak Djokovic in a Wimbledon final. So, you know, pretty good career. Yeah, pretty good. It would have been even better if those other three guys weren't there. But options for who said this was it A, John McEnroe, B, <laughs> Jim Courier. Okay. C, Tim Henman, or D, Liam Brody? Uh, okay, so first of all, I'm going to say this. You're, every single time we've done a quote game, one of your options is John McEnroe. So please switch, well, it, up. <laughs> switch it up a little bit. <laughs> he has, like, he's always commenting about shit. Yeah, no, I agree. It's always, it always could be John McEnroe because I was saying... Stop. I don't think it's John McEnroe because I, I have too much respect for his opinion. And then, uh, it's unfortunate if he did say it because I'll have less respect for his opinion. Um, Jim Courier was the other one. Uh, yeah, Jim Courier. Uh, Liam Brody and Tim Henman. Yeah. Tim Henman, I've never heard speak. However, I do know that he's part of that Amazon um, British telecast, which I overall I'm not a fan of. They have... Danielle Hantakova, who honestly the entire broadcast is just subpar slash mediocre. So I haven't heard Tim Henman say anything or speak on that. I'm just going to assume that their takes are usually not smart. Um, Liam Brody, I don't know why, why would he, 
I mean, I don't, it's possible he said that, but he also practices with Murray all the time. So he probably knows how beat down Murray's body is and like everything he has to do. So, cause he's so close to it. Why would he say that? He obviously knows that's not possible. Uh, Jim Courier. It's possible. It's Jim Courier. Definitely possible. I'm between Jim Courier likes to just run his mouth. Yeah. J- Jim Courier is like, loves to hear himself talk and it's just like, shut up, dude. Um, <laughs> Jim Courier, Jim Courier will just say a bunch of shit and yeah. then, and then obviously something is going to make sense. Right. Right. Broken clock, broken clock once a day. Um, I'll go with, I'll say, I'll say Tim Hedman. Sure. Why not? You got it. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. That Amazon broadcast. In yeah. the UK. <laughs> That's <laughs> mediocre takes off for days. man. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta just like document all the stupid shit they say. <laughs> <laughs> like to do a podcast of just like rating the dumbest stuff that that, that, that group says. That, yeah. Terrible, that, terrible broadcast. It's such an absurd take. It, what is he talking looks, about? The, the Amazon prime. Um, it look it looks good from the outside, you know what I mean? Danielle Hatikova. Uh, they're both in great Edmund, shape. Which they is both a good thing. They both they're both in great shape. Um, but <laughs> that, that means nothing. <laughs> means absolutely nothing. Uh, yeah, no, I just I complete I totally disagree with this. I actually don't even. I'm trying to think why he would say that. Like, what? Well, I mean, did you what, see the context of that or? No, I didn't, to be honest. But whatever. I mean, that's like a yeah, it's daily comedy. I can't wait to go to, back to London so we can watch some Amazon Tennis Channel. <laughs> Amazon. So dumb. We rag on Tennis Channel here. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. Tennis Channel looks like a freaking Oscar award-winning show or whatever. What do you call it? Emmy? Emmy award-winning? Compared compared to the Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. What I think what tennis needs is something like um, just like a Monday night football broadcast where you have like some crazy guy, but it's kind of funny at the same time. I guess I do kind of have that with John McEnroe a little bit. I like John McEnroe. Love that guy. Uh, he, if, 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 John, if, if ESPN didn't have John McEnroe, it'd be, they'd be terrible. Uh, yeah, he's one of, he's a good commentator. It's fun, fun to listen to him. But that wraps up trivia what do we want to, we got got to talk about the women's i said we talked about the women's yeah. before but that was a lie we didn't uh so our topics for the women's are what's first um yes uh, i mean we can talk about what the toronto tournament i honestly men's or women toronto i didn't I, well, canada i didn't see any of it but we can still discuss the like <laughs> the like whatever draw or, whatever, or who won it. let's why don't we just talk about why don't we talk about the why don't we do the Radakanu Serena match? We'll talk about Iga and then we'll talk about um like you mentioned, eight out of the top ten players out in the first round. What is that what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, I think with the Iga thing we can also talk about the tennis ball controversy. Yeah. So let's talk about that first, because you mentioned it. So Iga Okay, let's just say Iga in general. I wasn't worried about her when she lost uh, in Wimbledon. And I remember asking, we were asking the question when the streak ended, what do you think about this for Iga? And we both said that she's still going to dominate. Yeah. And she'll still be the clear number one. I am kind of doubting myself now. Um, 
I, I'm a little in doubt that she's going to be a clear dominant number one, but I think she's still a big threat at... I think she should still be one of the top favorites to win the U.S. Open because if you look at the losses that she had these last two weeks, Madison Keys, who can come out of nowhere, play some lights out tennis, especially on hard courts in America, and Beatrice Haddad Maya, who's had just a remarkable year. So these aren't losses that are extremely puzzling. I mean, I can kind of see where they came from. Uh, obviously not great to go out in the second round of both tournaments. Yeah, but, but she doesn't look confident on the court, and she looks like she's doubting herself. That's my maybe. issue. It's not about the losses, really. I mean, kind of it is, but um, yeah, yeah. I, you're right, though. I mean, it's, it's Madison Keys and Haddad Meyer are both good players. She also lost to Carolyn Garcia in, in Poland. I think she's a clear number one, but I just think I, I would not bet on her to win the U.S. Open. I don't think she's going to win the U.S. Open. I think she uh, could make a quarterfinal run, semifinal run. Yeah, I think it's tough after such a big win streak when you start going, Losing. Like coming back down to earth and you kind of have to readjust. I think it's similar to what's happened to, to Carlos a little bit after that crazy hot streak in the clay court season and then all of a sudden you're like why am i not winning and then you start pushing like that, that's what carlos carlos is like he's pushing a lot he's he's trying too hard trying to end the points too early i haven't seen honestly haven't seen much of Iga's matches but what i have seen is like the similar thing like but, she's like why am i not winning so easy you get so used to it winning is a mindset and then you kind of forget how to win you're like all that all of a sudden the doubt creeps in but i don't think i think the carlos Iga comparison's not entirely accurate because i don't think i think carlos is feeling pressure i don't think Iga's feeling pressure so would you rather be in a situation where you're feeling more pressure and that's why you're not playing good or would you be rather be in an Iga situation where it's just your game's a little bit off um i i don't think either of them are necessarily feeling the pressure um because would i rather be in a situation where i'm feeling the pressure or my game's a little off I would rather just be feeling the pressure because then if you're feeling the pressure and your game is still hypothetically there, then at some point you're going to, you're going to get there. Right. And Carlos is just feeling the pressure and that's why he's choosing the wrong shots kind of at the wrong time, which but is if your game is off, then it's like, now it's the fundamental problem with my strokes, with my forehand, with my backhand. And then that'll cause me to lose confidence even more. I think. Feeling the pressure, even Carlos said it after he lost his match to Tommy Paul. He said, oh, this is, you know, I for the first time, I kind of felt the pressure. Like, I'm just going to have to uh, buckle down. Like, admitting that is kind of a good thing. No, I think admitting that you're feeling... That's why I always think that that whole Emma saying that she has no pressure, she should just, like, admit that she feels pressure. Yeah, uh, it, exactly. You said, it, just admit it. Like, I'm feeling the pressure because Carlos did feel the pressure against Tommy and Paul and... Montreal and he was like missing a lot of uh, a lot of shots at the critical the critical times. I also think the this let's let's get into the let's get into the ball the whole controversy about the tennis ball. Okay, last um, thing last thing I'm going to say about Carlos it's in, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned shot selection is not great now because I thought back during the clay court season his shot selection was phenomenal. Yeah, amazing. Um hitting, you know, big balls with margin from the baseline coming in, mixing it up with drives and drop shots at the right time, so I'm sure that'll come back. But yeah, talk about explain the ball controversy. Uh, yeah, just one thing on Carlos. It's his forehand that is so good 
that he's expecting to hit a winner on things. And then he's like being way too aggressive from the wrong spot. That's, that's the, the forehand errors are the problem, but um, yeah. So th- this is, again, this is from Iga's side, but it's, she's not the only player that's complained about it. I think even Jessica Pagula said that this is ridiculous. And for those of you who don't know, I honestly am not even that aware of the different kinds of tennis balls. There's regular duty and extra. Do you know a little bit more about that? Yeah. Specifically? I, I know how to, how they play and which is way worse than the other one, but I don't know the specifics of what they are. Mm, oh, technically what they yeah, are. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that they're reg. I, maybe one is used for clay. I think, I think, I think this could be totally wrong, but I think like recreational players, they say you should use one for clay, one for hard. I don't know if that's right, to be honest, but I will say this in terms of when you're playing, when you're hitting the ball, the regular duty is much harder. Starts off like really hard, like almost like you're hitting a rock. Mm-hmm. And the extra duty is a little bit lighter um, right when you start hitting with it, more so like the like the Wilson US Open balls, uh, how they feel. Uh, then you have the. So essentially, just think of it, I think of it as regular duty is really like hitting like a rock and extra duty is just feels normal to me, like a ball I should be playing with. Right. And so basically the, the issue is, is that the men's and women's balls are different. And Iga, Iga had a quote about this. Um, you know, she said, basically the women's ball is lighter. I, I'm not sure what exactly that means. The WTA said it's regular felt balls for hardcore play. And uh, Iga said, we're, uh, you know, you can't get those balls in Europe. When you buy them at the store, they're totally different than tournament balls. So practicing at U.S. Open, with U.S. Open balls at home, for her, she's practicing with the, you know, the men's U.S. Open ball. So there's, it's, it's a totally different, totally different ball. And she's saying that this ball is, is so light and you can't, you can't really play. And the balls are kind of like flying out and stuff like that. And you don't feel anything. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like if you're listening and you just don't, can't tell the difference or you know but it's it's an it's a big issue because even 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 someone like my level yeah like i played a tournament this was a while ago after college i played a tournament and the balls were just so rock hard and they were just not they were not falling in the court and it was like no ball i had ever played with and simply was missing deep because yeah ball was just off and these guys are you know leaps and bounds hundred thousand times better than us they're gonna feel an issue if the ball is different if there's something slightly off so i don't know whose decision that was but uh clearly clearly exactly it It makes a difference between for us and i I also don't know why they would use different balls for men's and women's because at that level like it's not it's not you don't women don't need lighter balls it's not like the WNBA. they need a like lighter ball because they're not as athletic this is not women's basketball this is women's tennis this is some like real athletic stuff happening Okay, on like <laughs> women's basketball, which is just like a, they're just dribbling around like the most boring thing you've ever watched in your entire life. <laughs> they need a different ball. Women's basketball, women's tennis players do not. They're good enough at tennis to. They don't need a different. Women's ball. WNBA. While you're at it, lower the rim. <laughs> exactly. At least there's some entertainment that they can dunk. You know, yeah. women's tennis players can still hit aces, right? <laughs> yeah. Women's WNBA players cannot dunk. Yes, so. women's tennis. Um, you were probably biased, but women's tennis is far more enjoyable than women's basketball <laughs> it's really crazy um all right let's get into u.s our... open is the for what for the for the record the u.s open is the only grand slam where two different types of balls are used for men's and women's and 
you know, the woman using lighter balls. It, it almost feel like us if we if we played with like those like the green felt, the green balls, the 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 kid balls. You know, that's probably how it feels to these women because they're they're so tuned in, they're so in rhythm. They play tennis every day. How can you go from using one ball and then all of a sudden you're playing with like a lighter a, a lighter version of the ball? It just doesn't doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's literally changing the equipment. Yeah, so kind, of, kind of weird. Yeah. Um. All right, what do you want to do? Do you want to do Emma Raducanu Serena or do you want to do the eight of the top ten? Talk about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about the the Emma against Serena match a little bit. Uh, I, I was I was honestly just so <clears throat> sad that it that Serena was just clearly not a hundred percent. You know, it's just that's the unfortunate part. Is at the yeah. very least, you want to see her physically, like not she's not physically going to ever be at fitness level hundred percent, but just physically all there you know at least in the Wimbledon match against Harmony Tan she was um like not injured you know so she could at least attempt to win the match wait she was injured in the MMA? I I thought she was I could be wrong uh, honestly oh I watched like, not I, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I watched the whole thing because I watched the yeah. first set and two games then I switched to watch Shark Tank I honestly the only th- thing I reason I think is she's injured is because they had the match scheduled for the Monday and then because she was injured, they scheduled it for, they changed it to Tuesday to give her more time to prepare. Oh, yeah. Interesting. But I, yeah, I, it was bad. I mean, yeah, she looked <laughs> really bad out there. She couldn't hit a ball on the court. And yeah, it was, it was, there was nothing really good about it from Serena's end. From Emma's end, uh, I guess we can talk more about Emma. Do you think? The wins over I'm gonna say the wins over Serena Azarenka. Not yeah, great for her to get some wins under her belt against some Legends of the game. Legends of the game, but I don't think it's a turnaround moment for her yet. I th- obviously I think she will have that soon. Yeah, I mean I just, just think she it's did, interesting she just, how she the... just seems to she just seems to win a, a lot of matches really easily, and then when it gets tight, she doesn't win. The tight sets, the tight matches. No, yeah, I mean that that happens. Um, that happens all the time with her. Like Jessica Pagula, like first set seven five, then she lost. Last tournament, first set seven six against Georgie, then just went away in the second set six two. City Open, same thing, seven six against Samsonova, lost first set seven six eight six in the breaker, then just went away six one. Um, so I agree. I don't. Th- I think that that's just like a, a mentality uh, thing for her, but. It's interesting how the paradigm has shifted with with Emma, whereas in the beginning of the season, we're like, oh, well, she just won the US Open. Maybe she can win matches. And now, like in the articles, they're they're writing about this tournament, about her loss to Pagula and her wins. It's like Pagula ends Emma's like amazing run. It's like she had an amazing run at the tournament. She lost in the round of 16. She lost the third round to where she's supposed to lose as a seed. So I think the whole public's view on her has changed. And her, unfortunately for her, the other problem is with this is that her competitor's view of her has changed. Like, yes, of course, she was the hunted after the US Open, but I think also players respected her. Like, I'm playing against someone who's really good. Now it's the it's the total opposite. And then you have to you have to adjust to that. So it's almost even harder to do that. Because when you when you're a player and you're getting respect from everyone, um, you're already coming out on top, right? That's what happened to Ego when she was on her streak. Like she was already coming out on top players thinking I really don't have a chance. That's kind of what happens uh, with, with Novak, with, with Medvedev when he's, when he's on a roll. But when that paradigm of mental thing shifts with your opponents, it, it's even harder to get out of that hole, right? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. It's she's coming in. Yeah, she's coming in at even level. Anyone can beat her. The wins are going to be better for her opponents in the first round than it is going to be for her. The pressure's on her, especially at the U.S. Open. It's going to be so. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the U.S. Open goes for her and how she looks to turn it around. Maybe get Dmitry Tursunov out of there. I, I don't know. But um, no, I mean, even Dmitry Dmitry Tursunov. Do you want to tell the story about the the the, the you know what happened in the practice court? <laughs> oh my god, that was just weird. That's just like a bizarre. Yes, yeah, just tell uh, it. <laughs> okay, so the story the story was that I was watching. She was practicing in DC. Uh, I was like going to walk, I was like getting food or something. I see that she's like sitting down and drinking water on the practice court. And Dmitry Tursunov's practicing some backhands on the court and just like hitting backhands like at her while she's sitting down on the chair. Like not hard, but just like rolling them at her. It just seems like a very, I don't know, weird guess, thing to do. Just an odd thing to do, especially when you're on a trial basis. <laughs> These former players, they, some of them. Here, are no, here's here's the thing. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's what I said right after I saw this. I went to Drew. I was like, I was like, these former very good players will will begin coaching a, a star, rising star, and they'll still have the mentality. They're like, they're the they're the guy. Everything is centered around them. Like, like no, it's it's not. You're the coach. Everything is centered around the player. So I think that's what happens when you get these some, not all, but some of these former players uh, coaching these these uh, new up and coming stars. That they hmm. maybe they're stuck in the old days, thinking that they're still uh, the center of attention when in fact uh, they're not. So yeah. Dimitri. maybe be a little bit more professional. Also, this guy Raymond, cut, cut 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 your hair. Yeah, this guy Raymond Sarmiento. Hairpiece is brutal. The, the, the hitting partner also, uh, I don't know. There's something off about him. I'm not a fan of him either. So I won't uh, even say why, but I don't even know. Like I saw I saw him playing like a ping pong point uh, with Emma and it just uh, looked very like, I don't know, weird. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's just not, not great vibes. But no one yeah. will top no one will top the Mortagalu crew. That's for sure. Oh my God. We have to, at some point, we'll have to talk about that. You know, it's just ridiculous that Mortagalu, <laughs> you see the Mortagalu guy is, is Mortagalu is now there with the, uh, the guy, the, 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 the man and the woman of the team was like not there now. So, but yeah, he sends his, Mortagalu sends his little stooges to these events. It's great. But. This is funny. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up for today. Right. Yeah. Oh, honorable. Me- I mean, do you have an honorable mention or no? Uh, anyone, any, any woman who's playing in the Bronx. Uh, oh, how was that? Did you I go? didn't go. I didn't. Wait, go. dude, what? Dude, I saw that. I saw that. And I was like, can I get out of work today? So can I, can I take a train off? <laughs> Simona Walter. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you want. I'll-